Well, anyway, today is a, a, a going to be an awesome day um, because guess what? I'm 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 not speaking, Dale. I'm not speaking. And uh, I have a, a friend of mine who's, who's come to speak today and share with all of us. And uh, his name's Chad McAtee. He actually comes to us uh, from the district office. If, if you're not aware, um, our church is a part of a network of churches that uh, is called the Assemblies of God. And uh, this, the Assemblies of God is whom I'm ordained through. It's, a, it's our family. It's, uh, it's, it's also my spiritual covering. Uh, we have an amazing team in our district office that are just continuing to just move the mission of God forward in Indiana, and we're seeing missionaries be launched from Indiana, churches being planted, and a lot of these things takes place because of great people like my friend Chad McAtee. So help me welcome Chad this morning. Come on, man. He's going to bring a word today. Thanks, bud. Thanks for finally coming. Oh, it's good After to be all here. My invitations. Hi, everybody. How are you? It is great to be here today and an honor. And it's incredible to be a part of something like the Assemblies of God. Uh, you know, we're not just in Indiana where we have uh, 240 churches, but we're worldwide with about 90 million people that are part of who we are. How many know that when you show up at church and there's a couple hundred uh, that are here at this Assemblies of God church, know this, that you're part of something much bigger? something greater, something that's touching the world. We've been uh, rolling now for about 105, 106 years. We have missionaries in every country around the world. Uh, countries, you're, you're not allowed to have missionaries. We have missionaries, all right? We're out there, and we're sowing seed and touching lives, and we're a part of that. And I want to say to you, thank you. And uh, it, is great, it is great to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves. Amen? Well, my name is Chad, and it is great to be here. This morning, I brought my incredible wife, uh, with me, and uh, she is definitely the best part of the two of us, all right? And uh, uh, so I, I'm thankful for her, and she keeps me straight and going the right direction. I want to say, uh, Pastor, you and Jenny, you're doing an incredible job. I was so thrilled uh, when you got uh, voted in here to come and be the pastors, because I, I knew that you're exactly what this community needed, and I bless you guys. Uh, keep up the great work. Right, would you give it up for your pastors this morning? Amen. <laughs> Amen. They, they are fantastic. And they have some incredible boys. Yeah. They're, they're clapping for themselves. That, like, that's right. Come on. I thought the two of you would stand up and give a standing ovation, but maybe later. Maybe later. Yeah, uh, it, is, it is great to be part of a great family, and we are glad to be here. It's great to see you this morning. I want to challenge you today. I know that you guys are, are praying and, and fasting and, and like so many of our churches are. And uh, so I want, to, I want to ask you the question this morning, where's your altar? Where's the place that you go and pray? Where's the place that you know I can show up there, God's going to meet me there, we're going to have a time together. Uh, it, where's, where's my altar? And today I'm going to talk about the altar in the front of the church. I'm going to talk about the altar at your house. I want to challenge you in that for just a little while this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35 this morning. We're going to read some scripture, and then we're going to dive into it. Just break it down uh, a little bit this morning. Genesis 35, verse 1, it said this, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar uh, there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Now, let me just stop and say this. If you 
If you know the story, if you know the, the book of Genesis, you know that Jacob, who uh, God had his hand upon, he was a liar, he was a deceiver. His brother wanted to kill him. He ran away from his brother, all right? And that was his brother Esau. He fled for his life, all right? And, and the Bible reminds us that God had appeared to Jacob when he was on the run. And in, in the process of that, Jacob laid his head down at night, uh, fearing the, that his brother was going to kill him, and, and all of heaven opened up. Just imagine laying down and, and all of a sudden seeing angels going up and down uh, what we call Jacob's Ladder, and, this, and the heavens opening up, and the God ministering to you in a very personal way. When you thought that you were at the lowest point of your life, the Lord met uh, Jacob right there, and he said this. He said, uh, Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, purify yourselves, and change your clothes. Then come, let's go to Bethel, where I build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me where I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their foreign gods and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon all the towns around them that so no one pursued them. That's an interesting verse. And so let me just say this about that verse right there. That it's interesting. Jacob is on his way home after being gone 20-some years. He left by himself, and now he's coming back with four wives, a whole bunch of kids, and thousands of animals thousands of animals all right so he and, and to move thousands of animals it also takes a few hundred people probably at least and so there was a big caravan of people that were moving along and the bible says that the terror of god fell upon all the towns that they went by why is that important because he was carrying god's inheritance once you think about this, Jacob's going home. He's going to the promised land. He was sent away, and now he's coming home. And as he's coming home, he's bringing the inheritance of God with him. And God was letting everybody around know, this is my man. My hand is upon him. Devil, you can't touch him. How many of you know that the Satan, the blood of Jesus, is against you? And if you'll plead the blood of Jesus over your family and your things, it's like this same thing that God put out to the people around. Don't touch them. They're my people. Can somebody say Amen. And then Jacob and the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, now Deborah Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried un, under the oak outside of Bethel. After Jacob returned from Padan, Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. But it'll no longer, you'll no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel, and God said to him, I, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and, and, and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. Father, in Jesus' name. We pray today in this place that you would open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to what you have. Lord, as I speak words that I believe that you have given me to challenge every person in this room today, I pray that we would all be ready to receive them so that we can be what you want us to be. But Lord, not just us, the generations after us. God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Julie and I have had the opportunity to be in ministry now full-time for 27 years. For the first part of that, we were youth pastors. And as a youth pastor, I started 
you know, learning how to pray. I, I needed to learn how to pray. I, I didn't just graduate Bible college and know how to pray, but it was a, really a process. And so I would get up in the morning, I, I would uh, drive over to the church, and I would spend time with Jesus and, and, and get to know Jesus. And that, that was like the beginning of my prayer time for the day. And, and, that, and then I would go home and get ready, spend time with our boys, and and go, to, and go to work for the day. And then as a pastor, we, we pastored in North Manchester, Indiana for 14 years. And we lived next door to the church. I'd wake up early in the morning. I'd head over to the church. And, and I would pray. And the, the sanctuary at, at the church was, was my altar area. And, and I would come in and I, I would just spend an hour or so just walking and praying and seeking the Lord. And it was my sanctuary. It was my, my place that I could go. It was my Bethel place of meeting with God day in and day out. And, and that was my routine for 14 years. And that's, that's how my, my mornings began. That's how my, my life began on a daily basis. And then uh, in 2018, we got elected to to go be the, uh, the district secretary, and we moved to Indianapolis. We left our beautiful farming community and moved to the city. We went from living on 11 acres to living in a neighborhood. Went from having keys to a church and Bethel, my place of prayer, to the first morning that we're living in our house and I wake up and I get out of bed and I said, God, I've got a problem. And it hit me all of a sudden. What I have been doing for the last 20 years of my life, waking up, going to church and praying and spending time with Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, I had no keys to no church. I had no Bethel place. I, my, it, it threw me. I'm, t- I'm telling you, it threw me. And I really didn't know what to do. And I just put on some clothes and I went outside in my neighborhood and I began to pray. I began to walk around my neighborhood and pray. And that worked because it was July. You know, but when you're out there praying and you're walking and praying and, you know, you're, you're sundying, you know, as you're walking down the road, and, you know, on the sidewalk and there's people jogging, you know, and you're just like, this doesn't seem right, you know. But, but that's my, that was my spot, my place. And then it got cold. I was like, look, we've got another problem. And I finally found a place that I could, I could pray and spend time with the Lord and and, and it became my Bethel place. It became my place of, uh, of my daily routine of, of being with the Lord. And, 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 and I, I realized something at that point that there's things in life that change. But there's one thing that needs to be the same. And that's that every day I have a place of meeting with God. Every day I have a place that I can worship Him. Every day I have a place that I can confess with Him. Every day I, have, I need to have a place that I can bring my needs to Him. I can receive what the King has for me. I can listen to Him and I can speak to Him and He'll speak to me. He'll give me direction. I, I, there's a place I can come every day and empty myself of myself so that He can fill me up with Him. And so I have that question for you this morning. Where's your place? Where's your place that you go and meet with God? You know, it can look like a lot of things. It can look like a room in your house, a prayer closet in your house. It can look like 
your Chevy truck or your Dodge truck. I, I know it's a GM and a Dodge City, all right? So I threw both of those in for you, all right? It, it can look like that. You can get in your truck in the morning, and you can drive to work for 20 or 25 minutes, and that's your altar place. That's your place of meeting with God. That's the place that you call upon the Lord. That's the place that you're, you're naming off your kids' names and your grandkids' names, and you're speaking to the Lord, and the Lord's filling up the, tr- the, the cab of that truck with his presence, and you're ministering to him. How many know that helps with road rage also? And, and as he's pouring out his spirit upon your life right there, you're ready now to walk into the factory and get busy doing what God wants you to do. Your Chevy can be your altar place. You know, they say the best part of waking up is coffee, not Folgers, coffee and Jesus. Maybe your altar place is your lazy boy chair. You get up in the morning or it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon and you pour yourself a cup of coffee and you sit down in your chair and you're just like, all right, Lord, it's me again. And you just spend time with the Lord and, and that's your Bethel. That's your meeting place with God. That's the place that you come on a daily basis that, that you know that you can meet with the Lord and the Lord knows I can count on them because they're going to be there and I can meet with them. Maybe your Bethel place is your garage. Your wife just thinks that you're out there to get away from her, but you're out there praying over the generations of those that are still to come in your family, believing God for great things and asking Him to bless and meet the needs and bring healing and all the things that your family's in need of as you're praying for your pastor and your city and the souls of the people in your neighborhood. I I don't know where your Bethel place is. I, I just came out to ask you this morning, where is your Bethel place? Where's the place that you know that you can meet with Him? I know that the... We call this area at the church the, the altar. You know, back in the olden days, like when I was young, most of our churches had wooden altars in the front, and, and you could go and you could, you could kneel down to them and, and you could cry on them and you could blow snot all over them, but you were not allowed to sit on them. Getting snot on them is fine. Sitting on them, that almost sends you to hell, all right? Somebody will walk by and just hit you. Anybody remember those days? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You were probably the one hitting people, weren't you? All right? And now we just we use the stairs. But there's a lot of people who show up at the church, and they, they say this, you know, I'm not coming to the altar. The altar scares me. If I walked up to the altar two or three weeks in a row, what would people think about me? They, oh, their, their marriage is in trouble. They, they've been up there three weeks in a row. Dear God in heaven, would you help them? I'm not going up there. What would people think about me? I'm not going up to the altar because what if I came up to the altar on Sunday morning after Pastor Devin preached and, and God said to me, it's time to work in the nursery. <laughs> oh, not willing to take that chance. I'm sitting in my seat. I'm not willing to go to the altar because what if I go up and I have a need and I pray and I ask the Lord to meet the need, but nothing happens. I don't know if I can handle, I I think I feel like rejected. I I don't want to go to the altar because what if I want to get baptized and and filled with the Holy Ghost and it doesn't happen. I I think I'll just stay here at my seat. I, I don't think I'm willing to come down to the altar. It's safer where I'm at. I came out this morning to ask you, would you make the altar your best friend? 
I don't want to go to the altar because when I come down to the altar, I don't know how long to stay there. Thoughts that people have. I can just stay at my seat. It's more comfortable. When I was a kid, growing up, the church I was at, we had four sections just like this. And my family sat halfway back on this side every Sunday because my dad was an usher over there. We sat there my whole life at church. And on Sunday nights, every Sunday night, my dad would come up and he would, he would kneel down about right here and he would pray and, and he would spend time with Jesus. And so as a boy, I thought, well, I think uh, I'm going with him. And so I would go up and I would kneel down next to my dad and I would pray. And, and I, had, I had one goal, stay longer than my dad, all right? And so I'm on my knees and I'm praying, and I, I, could, I could cover the whole world, every missionary, every sick person, and, and everybody that needed to be saved in like eight seconds. I never could figure out what was taking him so long. <laughs> my knees would hurt, and I'd be squirming, and I'd have my arms up on there, you know, trying to, to you know, just help myself. And, and I really wasn't praying. I was just at the altar, but I could hear my dad praying, and he was praying, and you know, in a language I didn't know. He was hillbilly, but this was a different language. And it, I just, I, but I'm listening and I hear it. And then finally he would get up from the altar and go back to the seat. And after he got up, then I would get up and go back. And I'd be like, champion of the world. I stayed longer than him. But the answer to the question of how long do I stay would simply be this. Till he's finished with you. How long is that? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. At the altar, the river of the Lord flows. In the book of Ezekiel and Revelations, the writers, they give us a visual of heaven. And in both of those books, it says that where the river of God flows from the throne of God to the nations. And it, and it even talks about in Ezekiel, it's like a swimming hole. But this is what we find in both of those books, that where the river of God flows, according to his word, it brings life, salvation, health, and the kingdom of God. And I want you to know this morning that the river of God will flow through the altars of this church and the river of God will flow right through your Chevy, your, your lazy boy chair, or your garage. Wherever you'll make your Bethel place be, wherever you'll make your altar, the river of God will flow right through the middle of that and it'll bring life and the kingdom of God and health and salvation. How many of you need that for your house and in the church house? Amen. We need the river of God. We need an altar place. We need a place of meeting with God. Now in the story that we read, Jacob's on a journey and he's going somewhere. He's got all these people with him, a few hundred people that are from a pagan land. They didn't know God. They didn't know anything about God. They worship false gods. And so all, all, all of a sudden he has a family meeting. All right, He's like, hey, everybody gather up. You're all a bunch of pagans, all right? This is how this is going, all right? Got to read between the lines right there. You're all a bunch of pagans. You don't know the one true God, but I do. I need you to take all of your idols, all your gold earrings, and what was that about? That's a, that a way that they worship their God. And we're going to bury them under this oak tree at Shechem, all right? 
There will probably be a TV show someday looking for the gold in Shechem, all right? And they, they buried in there. He says, now go change your clothes. We're getting ready to go into the God zone. And he's having this conversation with them, and he's letting them know, you do not know the one true God. I'm going to introduce you to the one true God, but for you to be introduced to the one true God, you've got to clean yourself up a little bit. Listen, this is Old Testament day. Today's a New Testament day. If you'll just show up in the house of God, if you'll bring somebody into the house of God, it doesn't matter if they took a bath on Saturday night or Sunday morning. It doesn't matter if they have their Sunday best on or their work clothes still from Friday. If you'll bring them to the house of the Lord and pastor preaches the word of God, there's an opportunity for them to walk into the God zone, come up into the altar area for the river of God to flow over their lives and for their lives to be touched and changed and transformed. All we have to do is show up to the God zone, and the blood of Jesus will do the rest. Can somebody say amen? amen? I want to challenge you this morning. This year, this year, don't worry about trying to clean people up. Bring them to the house of God and let God clean them up. Can somebody say amen again? And he's telling, uh, Jacob's telling his people, let's cut out the junk and the trash and let's, got, let's let God move. And so uh, they, they go through this process of, of burying their idols and getting cleaned up. And he says, all right, here we go. We're going, we're going to Bethel. And, he, and he, they're having experiences. When you read through this passage of Scripture, you see several times that they're, they're in Bethel, they're at a place of prayer, they're at an altar place, and this is going on. Jacob's life is being transformed. Understand, Jacob had been a liar and deceiver his entire life, and now all of a sudden there's a transformation that has been taking place as he's running away now. He is running away from his father-in-law who uh, was going to kill him, and God wouldn't let him kill him, all right? He's having God experiences. In the midst of having God experiences, having Bethel opportunities, all of a sudden, like Verse 8 happens, and one of his wives dies, Deborah, father of some of his kids. And I'm going to say to you this morning that in this new year, you're going through a time of uh, fasting and praying, and you're, you're, you're setting things in, in mark to, to make this year, 2023, the best year of your spiritual life that you've ever had. Can I tell you that sometimes life will just smack you in the face? That all of a sudden you get sick or somebody else gets sick. It kind of throws you off a little bit. Somebody in your family dies. You lose a job. There's this life will smack you right. You're you're in the midst of that saying, God, here I am trying to do my best for you. Here's Jacob all of a sudden getting his life right with God, having God experiences. And in the midst of that, his wife dies. But I got great news. Verse 9, he's back at the altar. In verse 9, he's back at the altar, and this is where we'll spend the rest of the time in these next few verses. We're, we're not too far from being done, all right? Seeing if you're still awake. And in verse 9, after he loses his wife, he's back at his Bethel, and God begins to speak to him. <clears throat> he says, Jacob, You're a liar and a deceiver and a swindler. Oh, yes, Lord, thank you. I feel your presence. 
That's who you have been. But today you're a new man. And, your name, and the name Jacob means liar and deceiver. And that's no longer who you are. And so Jacob, I'm going to give you a brand new name. And your name is going to be Israel from here on out. It's powerful. You know, sometimes maybe you showed up in the, to the church house this morning. You're trying to turn over a new leaf uh, today and this year. And, and, and all of a sudden, uh, you, you realize, as I said that, that people in this town know you as addicted and afflicted. That's who you've been your whole life. I want you to know something this morning. God's got a new name for you. It's son or daughter of the living God. Amen? You might have came in with one name, but he wants to give you a brand new name. Maybe you came into this room this morning, and you've been known as Jacob all over this town. You've been a liar, a deceiver, and a swindler where you can't even do business in this town anymore. I want you to know God wants to give you a brand new name this morning. How about something like Truth Finder? Maybe you are in this room this morning and you've been known as abused or abuser. God wants to give you a new name today like grace and mercy. Maybe you've been known all over this community and in your family for years and years and years as alcoholic. This morning God wants to give you a brand new name like living water. Maybe you've only ever been known as fear since the time you were a kid. You, were, you lived in fear. People know that person's in fear. He wants to give you a new name today like covered in love. Why? Because perfect love drives out all fear. And he wants to put a new mark on you. He wants to give you a brand new name. Why? Because he's God Almighty and he loves you. He saw you how you were. And today he wants to make you brand new. Can somebody say amen? God wasn't done talking to him. See, it was at this altar that God made himself known to Jacob. And And he says this to him. He says, I am God Almighty. That comes with some weight. <laughs> he's having a conversation with him. And he's saying, you, you heard what I, I said to your grandfather, Abraham. And you heard what I said to your daddy, Isaac. I want you to understand something today. I, what I promised them is what I'm promising you. And I can do that because I am God Almighty. I want you to understand something this morning. God's not a genie in a bottle and every time you need something you just go, you run to Bethel and you rub it and you're hoping something good happens. I want you to understand this morning that He is who He says He is. He's the the creator and He's the healer. He's the miracle worker. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the baptizer. And can I remind you this morning, He is the soon coming King. Amen. He's God Almighty. But the conversation's still going on. See, he, he says this. He says, at this altar, this place of meeting with God, God gave Jacob direction. He says, Jacob, be fruitful and increase. I'm giving it all to you. Be fruitful and increase was the direction that he gave him at the altar. Some of you in this room, you're looking for direction for your business. You're looking for direction for your family. Can I remind you today, it's not found on social media. It's found at the altar. It's found at meeting the, the meeting place with God. He'll download into you the direction that you need for every situation of your life. You're not going to find it somewhere else. You find it at the altar. That's where Jacob's finding direction for his life. But God wasn't finished. It was at the altar that God gave Jacob a promise. He says, a nation and a community of nations is coming from you. How many of you know that doesn't happen overnight? 
If a nation's going to rise up within, from you, that's going to take a while. If a community of nations is going to rise up with it from you, it's going to take a while. See, understand this morning, we get caught, so caught up in the moment, but God wasn't just the God of the moment. He's the God of the future as well. He's the God of your future. He's the God of your kids' future. He's the God from generation to generation to generation if he should tarry. And that's what, one reason that, that song, The Blessing, I love it so much because it's generation to generation to generation that he's touching lives. Why? Because he knows them. They don't have a birth certificate yet, but he knows them, and he loves them, and he cares for them. So it was at the altar that God gave him a promise. And it was at the altar, a place of meeting with God, that God gave him prophetic words. And this is what he, he, he says to Jacob. He said, kings will come from your body. Well, where did all the kings of Israel come? From the line of Jacob. But that was... Hundreds of years later, but God knew he gave prophetic words. Some of you in this room, God has given prophetic words to you, and you've been waiting. Time's not up yet, friend. How about this side? I said, time's not up yet. God spoke them. They maybe came with some conditions, but if you follow the conditions, the prophetic words are still going to come about. Can I remind you this morning, there's greatness inside of you, and God will reveal it at the altar. See, it was at the altar that God declared increase over Jacob and over those who were to come. You see, what he spoke to, uh, to Abraham and Isaac, he said, I'm going to give you this promised land. It's all going to be yours. Can you count the stars? That's how many your descendants are going to be. Can you count the sand? That's what your descendants are going to be. See, God, it was at the altar that God gave direction. God gave increase at the altar. See, it was at this altar, this place called Bethel, this place of meeting with God, that God gave new direction for generations to come. <clears throat> the generations after us, are dependent upon us to have altar experiences that change generations to come. Oh, preacher, you just put a lot of pressure on me. Let me say this to you again. The generations after us are dependent upon us to have altar experiences that change the direction of our family's future. The generations after us the generations after us are depending upon us to have altar experiences that change the direction of our family's future. Whoa, that got heavy all of a sudden. That's why we need to have an altar that we meet at every day. My dad, well, let me just say this. I'm a Maccatee, all right? I'm from southern Missouri. The Maccatee clan in southern Missouri... There were no Christians. Zero. That's like zero Christians. Now the entire McAtee family, there were, there were nobody that served Lord 
nobody that even came clo- close to serving the Lord. We did a, a family background check. My uncle did at one time, and, and going back from generations to generations to generations, the closest thing that they found was there was a McAtee in Kentucky that uh, used to read his Bible in the barn while he drank moonshine. That's the closest thing they found. And that was like hundreds of years ago, all right? And all the McAtees in our family down there, nobody served the Lord. When I was growing up, we would go to the, my great-grandfather had a, a little, little dirt farm that he lived at, and uh, we'd go there for the family reunion every year. And at the family reunion, as we drove there, my dad would say to us in the car, you know how parents have the conversation with their kids before you get somewhere, because the last thing you want is your kids to embarrass you. Like it works, you know, but, and this is what my dad would say to us every year. This was back in the 70s and 80s, all right? He would say to us, uh, don't say what they say, don't smoke what they smoke, don't drink what they drink, and don't look at Uncle Don's tattoos. Not many tattoos in those days, and the ones Uncle Don had weren't good, all right? And so my dad would give us that conversation every year on the way there. Something was different for our, our side, though, because when my dad was a sixth grade boy, he didn't like the way things were at Grandma and Grandpa's. He didn't like that since my grandpa had a job, everybody came there, and that's where all the drinking happened, and that's where all the, 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 the smoking, and that's where the family fights were, and that's where, how life was. And, and my dad didn't like it. As a sixth grade boy, he, he was tired of sleeping on the floor, and and uh, the pastor's son of the church up the road asked my dad if he would want to come to church sometime. So starting in sixth grade, my dad got up by himself while others were still drunk from the night before. And he, he probably didn't, well, he didn't have anything. So he just put his clothes on and walked out the door and walked to church. And at this little Pentecostal church up the road from my grandparents, it was there that my dad went to the altar for the first time. And it was at that altar that my dad gave his life to Jesus. And then a few years later, it was at that altar that my dad got baptized in the Holy Ghost. A few years uh, after that, it was when, when he was 19 years old, at that altar, he married my mom. Two years after that, at that altar, they dedicated my sister to the Lord. Two years after that, they dedicated me to the Lord. Two years after that, they dedicated my little brother to the Lord. My dad was having altar experiences that changed the direction of our family's future from generation to generation to generation. See, this morning, uh, my mom and dad are at my brother's church. My brother pastors a church right down the road from where my great-grandfather had his little farm. And my brother has two kids, Jack and Macy, and they're serving the Lord. That's the third generation. This morning, my sister is at Fort Riley, Kansas, and her and her husband are chaplains in the Army. They have two dogs. We think both of them are serving the Lord. 
This morning, I have the privilege of being here with you. I have three boys this morning. One of them serving at a church in Dallas. One of them's at Bible College in Michigan. And, and one of them's at a church this morning in Indianapolis. I can tell you, there's nothing like it when you call one of your boys and you say, what are you doing? And they say, well, I was praying, but since you called, I answered the phone. I thought maybe it was something important. I'm telling you, my dad was having altar experiences that changed the direction of our family's future for generations after generation after generation and I want to ask you this morning where's your altar at because those that are coming behind you that have your DNA that have your last name that maybe carry your name or your middle name I want you to know they need you to have altar experiences now so it goes down the roll and it keeps on rolling from generation to generation till Jesus comes back some in the room, you'd say, well, it's a little late. My kids are backslidden. I'm telling you, it's not too late. Some of you are saying, well, my grandkids are being raised up in, in a home that doesn't know Jesus. Let me say something. Invite them over to your house. And on Saturday morning, make pancakes for them. And let them sit there at the table and share Jesus with them. Have an altar experience at the table. You don't have to pray them through the salvation at the moment. But something is starting to roll in their lives. Friend, I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't sit down. Don't shut up. Because the devil would want you to do that. He wants verse 8 to happen in your life. Oh, something died. Or this happened. Or that happened. Life smacks you in the, in the face. I want to say, keep having altar experiences on a daily basis let the river Jesus flow right through your life why because the generations after us are worth it morning's the best time for me to start my prayer time but maybe one o'clock in the day is the best time for you maybe nine o'clock at night is the best time for you where's your altar where's your Bethel place I know that this week's been kind of easy because we're all praying, right? I mean, you're like, woo, I'm, I hit eight days in a row. Hallelujah. What about in April? See, I'm going to walk out of here and you're not going to know who I am. And some, yeah, some bald head guy was there, you know, whatever. All right? But I've been praying that this word would stick in your heart and your soul. That regardless if you ever know who preached this sermon, because it really doesn't matter, you just know this. I need to be having altar experiences because those that are coming after me are worth it. So I want to challenge you this morning. Where's your Bethel? Where's your meeting place with God? I'm going to invite everybody in the room to stand this morning. See, if you'll die to sin, Jesus will give you life. You'll give up your idols, Jesus will give you a promise. If you'll give up your past, he'll give you a future. As much as some say, I hate going to the altar, the altar needs to be our best friend. So I want to ask this morning, I know that in this room probably most of you are ready for heaven. So at the moment right now, I'm, I'm speaking to those that are ready for heaven. Would you make a public declaration this morning and say, I'm going to make the altar my friend. 
this new year, this new time, this new day, beyond the service to next Friday, to two months from now, to one year from now, to ten years from now. I'm going to make Bethel my place. I'm going to have an altar place of meeting with God. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you if you would come to the altar. You can kneel down. You can stand. If you can't stand, you can sit on the front row. Just Would you just come this morning saying, yeah, and maybe you already do, and I hope you do. But we just make a public decoration. Yeah, that's me. Why? Because the generations after me, they need me to be having altar experiences. <laughs> Come on, friend. Come on. It's a new day. It's a new year. You might make it 20 days in a row and miss a day. That's all right. Get back there the next day. You might end up in the hospital and, and you, miss, you miss two weeks of being at your Bethel place. That's all right. Make your hospital room a Bethel place. Come on, anybody else? There's places to sit. If you can make it, just, if you're at the altar, just begin to pray. If you're at your seat this morning, maybe you came this morning and when I said you just, you might be still wearing your clothes from work on Friday, it's been a rough weekend. But you're here this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus. Is there anybody in the room and you just lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody, you're at your seat and say, yeah, that's me. Just lift it nice and high so I can see it. Anybody in the room want to give my life to Jesus this morning? I haven't seen any hands this morning. Anybody? Bless you, Jesus. All right, everybody in the room, would you just begin to pray right where you're at? How long do I stay at the altar till, till the Lord's done with you? At your seat, just turn it into a place of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus. Go ahead, friend. Just begin to lift your voice in this room and just begin to pray. You're practicing right now for tomorrow morning. Let this just be a, a practice right now for what God wants to do in your life, in your garage, in your house, in your car. As you're out walking your dog. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you just begin to allow the river of God to flow right through the middle of their lives? Would you just allow the spirit of the king just begin to roll over them and they would begin to understand and know, Lord, you're giving me a new name. You're making me a new person. God, as I pray and seek your face, you're giving me direction. You're going to speak prophetic words over me. Lord, you're giving me a promise. Lord, you're, you're speaking over uh, my family great things, kingdom things, not, not hellish things, not the things of the, this world, but kingdom things. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I now begin to pray over the people in this room from generation to generation. God, there's some in this room that their kids are backslidden. There's others that their grandkids are backslidden. Lord, I pray over them in the name of Jesus. We sang the song earlier, friend, I speak Jesus. Would you just begin to speak Jesus over your family? Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak over our backslidden kids, our kids that are not in the right place that they need to be, or our husband or our wife or a brother or sister, Lord, that don't know you. Father, we pray over them right now in the name of Jesus. We team up, and Lord, we ask, loose the Holy Spirit over them. Loose the Holy Spirit over them to convict them of sin, that they would come to you. Father, maybe they're in a jail cell, or, or maybe they're, they're uh, 
<coughs> at home right now. Oh, would you touch them? Lord, we just speak Jesus over them right now. We pray over them right now. God, we ask it. We ask it, Father. Would you move? Would you move in us today? Lord, if we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, would you fill us with the Holy Ghost? Even now, Lord, in this room, Lord, will we experience you and your kingdom? Come on, friend. Just don't listen to me pray. You pray. I'm praying over you. You just call out to the Lord this morning. You just call out to the Lord this morning. Come on, mom and dad. The next generation's worth it. Let me tell you, there, my dad was nowhere close to perfect. He needed to be at the altar every Sunday. Trust me, he needed to be at the altar every Sunday. And, 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 and none of us are any different than that. Don't say, well, you, got, you were raised in a wonderful home. That's not true. First generation of salvation, but it wasn't a wonderful home. Come on, just go to the Lord. Just go to the Lord. Father, I pray over my friends. You know them. You know their name. You know where they live. Lord, you desire an intimate relationship with them, more than they would ever know or understand. So I'm in agreement with them this morning. Lord, that as they pray, that you would declare the Word of God over them. That as they open up the Word of God to study it, that it would be alive to them. God, I pray over them this morning. This would be the greatest spiritual year of their lives, Lord Jesus. God, they would understand who they are. And they would hear you whisper to them that they are your favorite. And that they're a child of the King. And, and, and that they, they uh, are, are the best part of your day. Lord, I pray this over them this morning. They'd have comprehension and understanding of what you think about them. Lord, I pray over them today.